0: Today, we are starting a new series, and I am so excited about this series. It's, and, and I'm excited because of this. It's intriguing, but it's also hopeful at the same time. The new series is called Shadows. And shadows, anytime you see a shadow, absolutely anytime you see a shadow, it is proof that there is light. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the proofs that Jesus is the light of the world. And we're going to be looking at, we're going to be saying, he re- we're going to look at the proof that he really is who he claims to be, and he's really done what he's claimed to do, and we're going to look at what that means for us. Shadows are proof that there is something greater. And today, the shadow that we are looking at is desire. The shadow is desire. And, and more specifically, it's our desire to find something of worth. To get our hands on something of, of worth. You have desires for something because there is, you are meant to find the thing that is meant to satisfy those desires. The big idea for today is that you thirst because there's such thing as water. And you have desires for finding something of infinite worth because there's such thing as God. Do you hear that? You have, you have desires to find something of infinite worth because there's such thing as God. So, so do you know, I don't know what that noise was, but uh, do you know what, do you know what worship is? Worship is centering yourself around something that is worthy to you. You're made to worship of something of great worth. Worth. And do you know this? Every single, we're made to worship, and so every single person, person is worshiping something 24-7. The question is, what are you worshiping, and is it really delivering for you? Is that object fulfilling your desire? So today we're in John 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 26. We've got a lot of verses, so I'm going to jump in. You can follow along up on the screen. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had come to pass through, he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sukkar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well... (laughs) It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now as disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, And who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where are you going to get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you were right in saying you have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. All right, from these verses, here's what we see. We see our thirst for the, for the true well. We see our barriers, we see your barriers, we see your thirst for the true well, your barriers to the true well, and then finally, your drinking from the true well. So, your thirst, your barriers, and then finally, your drinking from this true well. These verses are about you finally finding the object that is worthy of building your life around. Worship is so much more than just singing songs to God. Worship is about that thing in your life that is screaming out, this is most worthy to you. So if somebody knew everything you did, they knew all about you, they knew all of your thoughts, they knew all of your dreams, they knew all of your emotions, what would they say Is the object that is most worthy to you in your life? I want want you to think about life as this journey towards finding this object that is worthy of you building your life around. You're chasing, you're searching, you're trying to find something to build your life around, and you aren't satisfied because you haven't found something that is worthy enough to satisfy you. You're still thirsting because you haven't found the thing that will satisfy you. That's what Jesus is saying to this woman at the well. He's saying to her, listen, he's saying, you are drinking from the wrong well. You're going to things that aren't worthy enough. And that's... Once you know Jesus, this is what what he's doing all the time. He's always doing something. He's always confronting your worship. So this woman, she's trying to change the subject to the theology of worship. And he says, no, 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 no. What are you worshiping? In other words, what are you hoping in? What do you think is going to deliver for you? What are you going to to have all of your dreams come true? Jesus confronts her true worship. She starts talking about worship in the abstract, like the Sunday morning ritual or something like that. And he says, no, no, no. Let's talk about you and your worship. And he says, the real, he says to this woman, the real well that you are drinking from is men. He says, your, your real well is Relationships. See, all of us are coming here on Sunday morning, and we're here. And in a way, we're meeting Jesus, but we're still drinking from other wells. I'm doing it. You're doing it. We're meeting him here. He's offering us living water, but we're still going to other wells to drink from. What? Here's the question. What well are you drinking from that is only a shadow of the true well? You know, when you drink when you drink salt water, it doesn't quench your thirst. It actually makes you more thirsty. So, imagine you're on this boat and you're stranded in the middle of the ocean on this boat, and you think to yourself and you don't know that you can't drink salt water, and so you say, "I'm fine." I've got all this water. I just need to figure out how to get some food. And so you figure out how to dive down and catch some fish. And so you're like, okay, I can, I can be out here for years. This is fine. And so you bring the fish up on the boat and you start eating the fish and you think, man, okay, I'm thirsty. I got to get, I got to get some water. And by the way, that's internally what you guys are doing. That's your cry for God. Like we're do in all reality, that is us every single day, um, You're thirsting for something, and you're crying out. So you're on this boat, and you're thirsting, and so you say, all right, I got my food here, so I'm going to drink some water. So you get some water from the ocean, and you drink it. You say, oh, man, I'm really, I'm still thirsty. So you drink some more, and you keep drinking more and more, and you have no idea that you are hurting yourself. You are making yourself more thirsty because you're drinking the wrong kind of water. You're killing yourself by drinking this water. That is what your life is like right now. That's what we're doing. There are all these wells around you that you're going to to drink from, and they're not satisfying you, but they're making you more and more and more thirsty. The the problem with Floridians and the problem with PSLers, that's what I'm going to call us as PSLers, The problem with us is that we trick ourselves into thinking that we're not thirsty. We live live in Florida. This is the place where people come to, to retire. We're on like this permanent vacation. So we live in this place of comfort. So why wouldn't we be satisfied? And so we tell ourselves we're satisfied. Everything is okay. And Jesus is saying, stop tricking yourself. He's saying, remove the veil, come clean, you aren't really as happy as you think you are. You need a new well. You know that in our area, it's been called by the Barna Group, the area between Fort Pierce and West Palm, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's been called the most spiritually thirsty area in the nation. And so here's what we're doing. We're thirsty and we're longing for something to quench our thirst. And so we're looking all around for it. Or we're thirsty and we're trying to escape the fact that that our desires are not satisfied. And so here's what we do. We turn to a wrong kind of drink. Well, Let's just say it. I mean, we turn to alcohol. You know what alcohol is? It's a depressant. But it doesn't depress you. It depresses reality. And so you are going to alcohol to depress the reality that you're not satisfied. Or so, or say, say you're married and you say, okay, I, I'm not happy with my spouse right now. I'm not satisfied. So I'm going to find another spouse that will satisfy I me. Mean, here's what's going to happen. That other spouse isn't going to satisfy you either because they aren't worthy enough of your worship. Or we do this with our kids, if you have kids. And, you know, kids are the greatest temptation, especially if you're a mom, because you look at your kids and you say, you're going to satisfy me. You're going to give me everything I need. And here, here's what happens. Kids are the saltiest of water. And here's why. Because they drain you. They, and they drain you Jonas is back there saying, what? <laughs> here's, here's why they drain you, because they need you. They're needy. Living water, the, what Jesus is talking about here, doesn't drain you, but is constantly filling you, satisfying you. So if you turn to, and, and I'm telling you, kids are the most tempting Shadow they'll fulfill me. They'll give me everything I want. They're not the living water. Or, if you like sports, your football team's gonna let you down. Um, If you like shopping, your clothes are gonna get old. You're gonna have to buy more. If you're going to your image to be your living water, you're gonna get wrinkles. You're gonna have a baby. Um, There's your bank account. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Anything could happen. You could lose it all. Uh, Your business, your employees will let you down. Your customers will turn to this next new business that's coming up. Here's another thing that happens. We use serving, serving itself as a way to fill ourselves up. And we think, man, if I could just find the right thing to serve, then I'm going to be filled up. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be satisfied. We see this, especially today. We see people doing this all the time. And I want to say, in our area, the servants are really, in a lot of ways, the teachers. And here's what happens to teachers. You go into teaching thinking, I'm going to serve these kids. And you do it, and they don't appreciate you at all. And then you say, oh man, and you start resenting the kids, and you start resenting your career choice, and here's what's happening. You're going to serve them as your well. They have become the well. Serving has become your well, and it's never going to satisfy you because that's not the well that you were meant to drink from. Serving is only a shadow if you're going to it to be filled Serving won't satisfy your thirst for living water. And, and really, anything, if you see this now, anything could really become a shadow of the true well. It's just a shadow of the true living well. So the question now is, well, why don't we just go to the true well and drink from the living water? What's stopping us from doing this? Jesus here does something he always is doing. He's breaking down barriers. There are all of these reasons why this woman would never be talking to someone like Jesus in this time. So first of all, this woman is a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews had tons and tons of hostility towards each other. They would never really talk to each other like this. Second thing is, she's a woman. And during this time, women at best were second-class citizens. But Jesus is always elevating women all throughout the New Testament. You see this. And the third thing is, this woman is a moral outcast. And here's how we know that. It says she came at the sixth hour. Now, the sixth hour is 12 noon. Nobody in the middle of the desert goes to get water in the middle of the day. It's the craziest thing to do. You're going you're to lose more water than you can take in on this trip. She's doing that because she's avoiding people. And then we see, so, so normally people go at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. to go get water. And here's how else we know this, is because Jesus says to her, you had five husbands, but none of them were your husband, and the person that you have now is not your husband. And at this time, that's an absolute moral outrage. Somebody talking in the back super loud, a moral outrage. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Jesus is breaking down barriers, though, and that's always what he's doing. He's always constantly breaking down these barriers. Um, So I would say that one of the greatest barriers for us today in Port St. Lucie, in the Treasure Coast is understanding actually what Christianity is. Jesus says here that this is a free gift. This living water is a free gift, absolutely free. And when I talk to people in our area, what I've found is that people don't really understand what the claims of Christianity are. So when I talk to people, they say, they typically say, well, of course, something like this. Of course, I'm going to get to drink from the living water one day. God knows that I'm good and I'm trying really, really hard. And I want you to know that's not what Christianity is. Christianity isn't about being good. It's about a free gift. Christianity, here's what it's telling us. Listen, here's what it's telling you. We are all approaching Christ. We're all approaching God the same way this woman is morally bankrupt. Coming to Christ isn't about being good, it's about changing your worship. Because of what's been offered to you. Christianity is saying to us, all of us are worshiping the wrong things. All of us are going to the wrong well. That's what sin is. If you want to think about sin, think of it like this. Sin is going every single day to the wrong well, to be filled by the wrong well, to find life and meaning in the wrong well. Jesus is not offering you a new morality. He's absolutely transforming your worship. He's giving you something worth worshiping. And once that happens, once he's getting at your heart, and once he does that, your morality changes. You start living differently, but at the center, it's about changing your worship, not changing your morality. And here's what you have to see living water is the greatest of gifts. But we're trying to buy it from God because we don't really think that it's free. And but here, here's the thing: if it wasn't given for free, we wouldn't be able to afford it. The living water is too expensive if we had to buy it. This is what we're doing. We're it's it's like we're going and we're trying to earn, we're trying to buy this free gift, and it's the same thing as this. We're using our morality, we're using our, what we think is good for us, and we're trying to buy that, we're trying to buy the living water with us being good. And here's what, it's just like this. Um, Digital Trend, Mag. I don't know if it's a magazine, but it said that the most expensive car in 2016 was a CCXR Travita. I think that's how you say it. And it's worth $4.8 million dollars, Street legal car and it's literally coated with diamonds, and and he, when you are saying I'm going to earn this free gift through my morality, it's like bringing in a hundred dollars to the car dealership, slapping it down on the table, <laughs> saying I'll take that car over there, <laughs> and the salesman's going to laugh at you because you're not bringing enough, and what Christianity is saying is that. When we try to buy this gift, this, when we try to buy this living water, it's like we're bringing $100 into the dealership. We're bringing $100 with our good works, and it's laughable. I know that sounded rude, but that's, it's what it's saying. It's too expensive. It's too worthy. And every single one of you, single one of us, to some degree, We're trying to buy this free gift. And even if you're a Christian, you have forgotten that it's a free gift. So you sin and you're like, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. God must not be happy with me right now. I got to earn this gift back. You've completely forgotten that the gift is free. You think you've fallen out of grace with him because of your sin. The whole point of grace is that you're getting something that you don't deserve. You're getting this free gift because it's too expensive to earn. If you try to see living water as something that you earn through being good, you have no choice but to cheapen it. And when you cheapen it, what you find is that in the end, it's no longer living water anymore because you've cheapened it. You've tried to earn something and you can't do it, so you've got to cheapen it. So what you have now is not living water anymore, but you've got a shadow of the true well again. You're chasing shadows because we're trying to earn something that can only be given. And once we receive it as this free gift, then... (laughs) then we finally start drinking deeply from the true well. To drink deeply from this true well is to finally feel all of your desires that you have from deep down. Finally, they are quenched. That's what it feels like to finally worship the true God who is Christ. Everything you want is in him. He holds all of your desires right here. Your greatest treasure in him, it's found. And that's what's meant by eternal life. Eternal life isn't so much about the duration or the length, though it's about that. But what it's primarily about is the quality of life. You find something in Christ who he is of infinite worth. And so if he's of infinite worth, then he gives you something that was infinitely worthy. And what that means is eternal life is infinite in quality and infinite in worth and, and infinite in length. You see that? The object of your worship determines the quality of your life. It's what you're building your life around. Shadows will give you an endless void. But Christ gives you an eternal bliss. We all have something that we are worshiping. What kind of life is it giving you and what kind of life is it promising you in the future? Do you know what you have in him? We're like kids with diamonds. We don't know what to do with them. So we throw them at stuff and we put them in our pocket and we shove them in our nose. That's what my son did, not with a diamond, but with a bead this week. Um, But we're doing that. Do you know what you have in him? I know that you don't. And I know that I don't. If we did, here's how we know that. Because if we did, we'd be living completely different. Someone who has $1,000 lives a lot different than someone who has a billion dollars. If you have find, found something that is of infinite worth, it's going to absolutely change the way you live. Here's a question How much would you pay for a Bible? I know you can just get them, but how much would you pay for a, for a Bible? If the Bible is what it's claiming it is, and it's, if it's the Bible that brings us face-to-face with Christ, knowing him, who is of infinite worth, the question is, how much would you be willing to pay for a Bible? Should they be absolutely free? Yes, because the gift is free. It's a free gift. But what would you, if you did not have access to a Bible and you had to give everything for it, would you? that tells you how you feel about him. He's of infinite worth. Do you believe that? And nothing has the return on investment that he does. When you give of your time, your talents, and your treasures to shadows, they do never, ever, ever will fulfill your desires. No matter what you buy, nothing has the return on investment that he does. And do you know that right now we're making investments now that have eternal impact? They're rippling on into eternity. How you use your time, talent, and treasure will impact all of eternity if you're investing it in living water. You say, well, you just said that the gift is free. Yes, let me explain what I'm saying. If you spend $10 on a book, and that book teaches you about the truths of this good news that Jesus Christ has come into the world, he's died on the cross and destroyed death, and he's risen from it, and that means everything for you. Then that's gonna change the way you live. You're investing in your spiritual condition. You're investing in your spiritual condition by doing that. And so, what that does to you is you say, oh my gosh. Is this really true? If this is true, this changes everything for me. And I want everybody to know about this truth. And so you start investing your time and your talent and and your treasures into seeing a movement birth here in Port St. Lucie and in the Treasure Coast because you want to see all of these churches started that are spreading this news that this really is true. And you know what that's done? Hundreds of people, maybe more, come to say, oh, this really is true. This really does change everything for me on into eternity. That has eternal impact. It's an eternal investment. Investing in your spiritual condition, investing in the spiritual condition of others. So the question now is, how do we become somebody who really believes that, who really lives like that? Because the reality is you want to believe in something so much that you're willing to give everything for it. doesn't mean you're giving everything for it, but you're willing to give everything for it. Here's how. You come to the realization that while the gift is free for you, it was not free for Christ to get you. Do you know how much you are worth to Christ? Do you know how much? The reason it was free for you is because it costs Christ everything. When did he pay for it? What he says in the hour. He says in this hour. That's what he says in the text. In this hour, the hour is come and it is now Here. Here's what he's talking about by this hour. He's talking about the incarnation, him coming into the world. He's talking about his death on the cross, and he's talking about the resurrection. That's what the hour is. That's what he's talking about. Those three things. The hour represents the gospel. The hour, listen, the hour is his declaration of your worth to him. The same way that we say the day is coming, we're not talking about a day. We're talking about an event that is coming. When he says the hour, he's talking about the event, the event of the gospel. And here's what happened. Listen to this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Everything that was of value to God, everything that was of value to the triune God, he had everything he wanted. The father treasured the son and the spirit. The son treasured the spirit and the father. They had everything in this triune relationship. Everything that they wanted and desired was in the other, and they had the other. Everything was perfect. They had complete satisfaction in each other. But in order to come and get you, Christ is severed from that relationship, severed from everything that he wants, severed from everything that he loves because he was compelled to come and get you. In the moment of the cross, Jesus was banished from this relationship. He lost it all. He bet it all to come and get you. The deepest loss that anybody could feel, he felt it a million times more. It's the greatest loss in the history of the cosmos, and we're going to be talking about it for all of eternity. Do you know what's going to happen in eternity? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to see Christ, and you know what you're going to see? You're gonna see scars. He will carry those scars for all of eternity, and you're gonna look at those scars and you're gonna say, That was for me. And you know what else you're gonna see for all of eternity? Christ, before he comes into the world, was fully God. He comes into the world and is somehow fully God and fully man all at the same time. And he remains fully God and fully man for all of eternity. And all of eternity, you're going to look upon him and you're going to see that he's both fully God and fully man at the same time. And you're going to say, he did that for me. Infinite cost to him. So he can give you this free gift that you could never earn. who's worthy of your worship? You want to know how he's worthy of your worship? Because the one who is of infinite worth gave up everything to come and get you. He lost it all because he wanted you to sweep you up then into this relationship with the triune God in the resurrection. You want to feel like a wor- you want to feel worthy you feel like you don't have worth look at this look at him look at what he's done for you hold on to him with all of your life because he is worth more than anything in the cosmos let's pray Father we want to believe this is true and we say we believe it but help us with our unbelief. God, we want to learn to live for you. We want to learn to live like you are worthy. We want to learn to live like you're the one who's of great worth to us so that we might have something worth living for. Sweep us up so that we might get a taste of how worthy you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.